Hey, kids, what time is it? Time for another episode of Brio TV, the podcast. I'm your host, Bill Brio. Today's show is brought to you by three terrific sponsors, Hollywood Suite, Super Channel, and CTV. You've seen him for five seasons now. Coming up, five is Detective Charlie Hudson on Hudson and Rex, one of the most popular shows in Canada. Please welcome Mr. John Reardon. John, great to see you again. Great to see you too, Bill. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Listen, uh, it's been a while. I think the last time I saw you, we were in uh, St. Pierre in Miquelon, uh, an island yeah. off the, uh, about, what, 25 kilometers off the coast of uh, the southern coast of uh, near St. John's there, right? Yet somehow we magically passed, passed into Europe. I know. That was Fishing crazy. into Europe. Yeah. Fans of this series will remember this episode. It might have come at the end of season three. I'm not sure now, but uh, it was uh, an episode where you had to uh, go to the islands uh, to conclude a case. And uh, it was it was an amazing trip uh, because it really is part of France, this little, these two islands uh, off in the Atlantic there, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty 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 cool, and it was uh, I think the first time uh, you know a Canadian production had shot there. So I think it, you know we had um, felt very fancy. We had to get get our own plane to go in there and fly our whole crew in, and uh, you know, had to go through get our passports stamped. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was. Uh, it was it was quite uh, quite an adventure. I guess we did this just prior to COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. So that would have been season two. Okay, which is there hard to go. believe. We're in season five now, so that that's uh, time time's flying. Where are you in production on season five? We just finished our sixth episode of twenty, um, and now we're we're on a two week hiatus right now, and then we go back on Sunday, and then we. Have another two week hiatus um, uh, before some. I think in October, and then we go straight through till Christmas. Wow, uh, twenty episodes! That's a big order in Canada, and you've done this a couple of years in a row now, haven't you? We've done sixteen. We did sixteen for our first four seasons, so this is our longest uh, one yet. So twenty episodes. Uh, we have the extra four this year. So um, yeah, it, uh, this is we're kind of breaking new breaking new ground here yeah because a lot of shows really even on broadcast in canada maybe get 10 episodes uh you're getting 20 <laughs> that's pretty good right yeah we'll take it it's great <laughs> it's uh, i guess a good indicator that people people are, are liking watching the show so yeah are they ever yeah. i mean there were episodes over a million uh, uh viewers uh, per week in season four i know when i was watching mm-hmm. and uh that's right up there at the top uh, in Canada. Um, and um, do you know yet when the series will be returning? Is it going to be September? I'm not sure if it's been officially announced yet, actually. And, and um, I, 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 I've, I'm, I'm pretty certain it's the fall, um, whether it be September or October. I think it was October that we aired last year, but 
Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure. Uh, well, so, but, but I think fall. We'll check back. But when it, whenever it comes back, it will be seen on City TV, of course, as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, fans will be uh, very excited to get back into it. Um, John, we've spoken before a few times. So let, let me get back into your <clears throat> history a bit. Um, and by the way, uh, I think uh, you just celebrated a birthday, right? I did. Happy birthday. Yeah. A couple of days ago. Thank- Good for you. Thank you very much. That's right. That's right. What, Thank you very much. Yeah. What do you do to celebrate? What what, what was the, what happened? Well, um, myself and my entire family had COVID. From our oh birthday. no! You're kidding. So, yeah, uh, I got I got it. Um, uh, I think uh, day one of our hiatus, uh, it started, and then and then my daughter got it, and then we had thought that that it was just going to be the two of us, and just as we were getting getting better, my son got it. Um, so we. Uh, my son was feeling pretty gross on my birthday, so we ended up just having a pretty quiet um, That's a shame. hangout time together. But it, I mean, it was uh, you know, it, uh, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad. But uh, unfortunately, we kind of just couldn't couldn't go out into the world too much uh, over the break. But and, uh, and your children are very young, aren't they, John? Uh, yes, two and four. With, yeah. with uh with one on the way too so yeah. oh congratulations my goodness what, what yeah, thank you now that must be a bit uh concerning as a, a young parents to have children with covid because they wouldn't have been vaccinated at that young age um how did that go yeah i mean it's always it's always every time they get sick it's always uh you know uh whenever they get a temperature you always feel like you're uh, you know, kind of stressed until they don't again. Yeah. Um, they both were 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 very um, uh, resilient. I mean, neither of them got really sick. Uh, right. They were just kind of uncomfortable and snotty. So, um, uh, you know, you always hate to see your kids sick. But uh, you know, I, I wish that I could have just been uh, sick in um, in isolation. But um, Unfortunately, before before I uh, yeah. you know could could be in isolation too long, my daughter got it. So then it was sort of um, you know spreading through the family. But people forget this is still a very very contagious, maybe more contagious than ever. This strain, right? Yeah, that's what they keep saying. It's it just, it's uh, you know keeps uh, finding new ways to come back, and you know it's nice to see that people aren't getting aren't getting uh, as ill as some of the other some yeah. of the other uh, variants but uh, you know it's definitely something that's still out there is there still a lot of safety precautions taken on set do you still uh, you know I know things like craft services were all gone that you had to have meals brought to you and and that you had to maintain the six foot distance at times are those mm-hmm. practices still in play yeah it is actually it, to be honest, I think we've we've had some of the the largest complications with COVID this year because wow. hmm. in the past, um, you know, you could, when people really weren't going out into the world and it wasn't as around as much, um, y- y- there really wasn't many people who would get sick, and so uh, the, all the protocols uh, uh, in place as well sort of protected everybody from from ever getting sick. But of course, now that everything is open, people are out in the world um, as you know, people, uh, you know, I feel people just need to be now. And, um, uh, you know, it's inevitable that people get sick, but then still, if somebody is sick, then, uh, you know, they, they, uh, you know, um, don't come back to work. Yeah. Have to isolate until, 
uh, until they're clear. But uh, so now it's it's been harder because people are getting sick and uh, having to miss time. But you know, it's just one of the just just one of the the things that uh, you know just keep you on your toes. Yeah. And, um, so I mean, you know, you just keep pl- keep plugging away. I guess. Um, here's a question: Do dogs get COVID? <laughs> That's a very good question. I don't know. I remember, <laughs> like, in the early days hearing about, uh, like, tigers in the zoo getting it or something. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to really know. But I've never actually had that conversation with, with Sherry about it. Right. Um, Sherry Davis is the animal, uh, the dog trainer who manages uh, uh, Diesel, who plays Rex, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So we've never, we've never actually talked about that. But I'm, but I'm, not, I'm not sure. And I wonder if it kind of you know if it manifests in the same way or yeah. or, or what but um he's never uh you know i mean he does occasionally get sick on on set like he'll have a cold or something yeah then they usually uh, uh bring one of the other dogs in so that he doesn't um you know have to work while he's sick but that's it's uh, it's pretty rare he's He's pretty he's resilient. Pretty he's pretty, yeah. He's pretty well taken care of. There, there. From what I recall, there were three dogs. There was Diesel, and then there was a uh, an action stand-in uh, uh, stunt guy, a dog, which is a cousin, I believe, from uh, of Diesel, and then a, a dog that is used primarily for still photos and things. Is that right? Yeah. So, so Diesel does most of the of the acting uh, the acting work. And then he has Iko, who's his nephew, Iko, who, who does right. a lot of the, the yeah. jumps and, and the and the stunt stuff. And then there's yeah. Izzy, who comes in and does, um, uh, funny enough, a lot of the kissing scenes. <laughs> so whenever he has to lick somebody, Diesel's kind of like, right. ah, yeah, okay. Uh, Diesel's more of an impromptu licker. He doesn't. He doesn't like to. He doesn't really like to lick on cue. If right. you tell him, you know, give a kiss, then he's yeah. kind of like, eh. I know. But I've it, had. I've heard that. I've had that problem. <laughs> um, is yeah. there? Did you have a double for these things yourself, John, on the show? I have a stunt double. Uh, I definitely have a stunt double who does. You know, some of the. Uh, the heavy lifting stuff for me, as far as uh, the stunts go, of which I mean, they it, uh, whoever has been has been doing that for me, they always do a great job. We've had several people on the show yeah. do it. Um, I, I try and, and do as much as I can, but fortunately, the powers that be understand my limitations better than I do. So they uh, <laughs> they they bring in really good people and uh, they make me look good. So, but, but you don't, you don't have a romantic stunt double. You do the, you do those scenes yourself, I assume. Oh yeah. No, of course. Of course. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, funny. it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't think, uh, you know, c- certain things you just have to do. So right. Good for you. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. We'll be right back after this short message with Hudson and Rex's John Reardon. Ready for a whole lot of drama coming your way this month on Super Channel. Season two of the HBO Max original documentary reality series, House of Ho, is available now on Super Channel Fuse. 
House of Ho chronicles the lavish lifestyle, strong family values, and multi-generational clash of the Ho family, a wealthy Vietnamese-American family in Houston who built a multi-million dollar empire. In this unique and wildly entertaining reality series, power struggles and family drama collide as Bin and Hugh, immigrants who proudly achieve the American dream, attempt to control the lives of their adult children, Washington and Judy, who find themselves under constant pressure to live up to their parents' impossible expectations. New episodes air every Sunday, with all of Season 1 currently available on demand. Super Channel is available via most cable providers right across Canada, as well as streaming on Amazon Prime Video Channels and Apple TV+. Here he is again, the two-legged star of Hudson and Rex, John Reardon. Uh, let's go back into your past a bit. I understand uh, uh, that you uh, you played a lot of football at Mount Allison, right? You were uh, that was something that you were really seriously considering as a career, I guess, at one point. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, uh, at, you know, at that time in my life, I, I had, um, you know, definitely had the aspirations of. Uh, a, a CFL career of some of some uh, level or length, but um, which just seems so so long ago now, and it amazes me that that, that was yeah. uh, you know one of my trajectories. But um, yeah, I, re- I, I played in college. I really enjoyed it, um, you know, and uh, uh, had I had a few opportunities to maybe continue on, but then I, I had had an injury in my last season of playing um at mount a and so it, it made me take some time off and, and that's actually when i got into acting and, and oh. uh, so i i never I, I had a few opportunities that i could have i could have gone back to it uh and i just sort of i think something in the back of my head said no i think you're you're on the right trajectory so um i uh, uh i think I'm, I'm glad with the, the decision that i made yeah sounds like a smart one but um and uh there should be a CFL team in uh, the East, uh, you know, right? I mean, it would be, uh, I, yeah. I imagine people would love that. It's too bad CFL can't uh, get get East of Montreal there. I've always wondered why there hasn't been a team in Halifax. I, I, I yeah. um, you know, uh, Halifax is, is a really good sports uh, town and um, the the Mooseheads uh, get, uh, get a very, yeah. The hockey team gets a, gets a very, a very good uh, large fan base. So I'm, I, I've always been kind of surprised that there hasn't been a team there. But who knows? Maybe maybe um, maybe an expansion team in the in the future at some point. Yeah. Who knows? Well, a name like Moosehead—that's all you need to, to want to buy a jersey, right? I mean, that's uh, you want to have that logo. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you said that you got this injury. What position did you play, by the way? I was a wide receiver. Nice. Um, and uh, returned kicks uh, for for a few years as well, and um, uh, yeah, I uh, had uh, 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 had a, had a bad injury in in the the last game of the, our my last season. So wow, I uh, had just been uh, recovering from that, and then I and then somehow ended up um, getting back into acting because I I had done a lot when I was a kid, and then um, had just taken time off. 
basically to to play football. So, so you were uh, how young when you first started? Uh, I think I was probably around. I did a commercial. Uh, I did a UNICEF commercial. I think when I was in grade four. And I remember we shot it at a, at a friend's house, and it was like a, sort of a local commercial in Halifax. And I remember sitting around while they were waiting to set all the cameras up, and being like, "Wow, you really sit around a lot." <laughs> yeah, you know when you're when you're shooting something. Yeah, and for some reason that still didn't dissuade me from it. So right. I think uh, so. I was probably grade four, and then I started doing like little plays and stuff. I did plays all through grade school, and. And then I and then I uh, I think I stopped in in high school because I, I had been playing sports and um, uh, you know I, th- I thought that that probably uh, had a better chance of of uh, you know girls taking interest in me right so um, uh, so that kind of became my focus and then uh, but then I was I was really excited to get back into it after uh, after college huh. Uh, and just back to that UNICEF ad, that was like trick or treat for UNICEF. Wasn't that the, the little orange and black box everybody would carry around and try to get the change, right? That's right. That's was, right. was it a Halloween spot you did? It was. Yeah, it was. Um, um, it was a Halloween spot. And I remember we shot it and I think we shot it in the summertime. Huh. And I remember thinking, thinking, this is so weird. It's not Halloween. <laughs> and we're all dressed up and people were walking down, you know, the streets, seeing us in our Halloween costumes, wondering what we were doing. So it was, it was a, it was a good introduction to, um, the, like, you know, movie, movie magic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and all the illusions that come with it, I guess. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, yeah. so afterwards you got back into it. What was the job that, uh, got you hooked again when you were um, uh, resuming your acting career after uh, university, I guess. Well, the very first thing that I did, actually, I remember I had, um, uh, I, I had, um, I mean, I, I, had, I had done a lot of theater when I was younger, but then I had, I had never done any uh, film or TV except for that, that and- my one amazing commercial back in, back in the day. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember, I was asked to to uh, be an extra on the pilot of Trailer Park Boys. Oh my goodness! And uh, so, I, you know, I, I was sort of um, uh, that was this was at the very beginning of when I when I thought I wanted to get back into acting. So I so I was like, sure, I'd love, love to do that, and and. Uh, and so I went, I went on set and was there for, you know, a lot of that first episode that they shot. Wow. Uh, which, you know, I, I don't, I, I, not that that was necessarily what kind of, uh, you know, I, I already, I, the interest was there for me to get back into it, but I just felt that it was kind of, yeah. it was kind of cool to be there for such an iconic show yeah. filmed in Halifax. Was that, that um, was when... My Mike Clattenburg, I guess, was uh, producing and directing. That's right. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and um, um, and then I mean, I, 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 it's hard to believe that that is maybe twenty twenty. That's twenty plus years ago, I guess. Now, I guess is, it is. Yeah. Wow. Which is really crazy, but uh, yeah. So I I always say when people ask me what my first job was, I always say that 
you know, I was an extra on the first, very first episode <laughs> of, of Trailer Park Boys. It's awesome. And that was, and that was sort of all I did for a while. And then I, I cause I, I went to Toronto and I, then I started, uh, I, I started doing improv, uh, there. And that was sort of what got me by, back into it. And then, that and then second, I did. At Second City? Yeah, at Second City and then a few other places, um, with, uh, where we did theater sports and, and, um, and then, uh, and then I, and then I, of course, went back to, uh, to theater school, um, after that, uh, uh to study and then, and then got more involved in, um, mm-hmm. doing some more theater and then, and then back into more TV and film after that. I, I was on the set of Trailer Park Boys years ago. It was on the top of a hill at, uh, used to at least be a hospital or something, I think, where they shot, they had all these trailers scattered about, um, I got to ride the shit mobile, John. That was a that was a <laughs> career highlight. I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. I remember you could yeah. look down and see the ground through the floor of the car. Uh, it was pretty cool. Mike Cladberg gave me a ride in the shit mobile. Yeah, that was like I love that. Yeah. Um, so um, and then I, I think I first became uh, uh, more aware of your career. Uh, when you were in Vancouver shooting two shows at once, I think, right? You were doing Continuum, I think. And um, mm-hmm. what was the other one? Arctic Air? Yeah. Yeah. Like, good memory. Most yeah. actors dream of getting one job. How did you manage to uh, juggle two in the same season? Uh, I, it was um, it was a pleasant uh, uh, challenge. It, uh, it kind of worked out. I seem to remember that that first year that Continuum had started, because we'd already had, I think, at least a season or two of Arctic Air at that point. But um, when the Continuum season started, I think it, it's, it came right on the end of our Arctic Air season. So a lot, of, uh, a lot of us from Arctic Air became available. And, and, and I worked with, there was a few of us uh, from, um, from both shows, uh, Stephen Lobo, um, uh, who played uh, one of the main characters in, in continu- Continuum as well. Uh, and him and I were good friends. And so we both went on to Continuum after that. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was nice because like, you're always, whenever you're working on a job, you immediately, as soon as the season ends, you feel unemployed. Right. You never know if you, if the show's going to come back, yeah. if uh, you know when it might come back, if you're going to be a part of it, or you know what happens. So, uh, yeah, it was um, it was nice. I think we did we did three seasons of Arctic Air and four seasons of Continuum. Wow, that's great. Four, maybe five. Yeah. So, so it was it was nice. Uh, it was a nice uh, a, a period of time. Um, and was Roger Cross on the Continuum? Am I thinking? He was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good actor. I mean, that was a pretty good cast, right? Oh, it was great. Yeah. And I, I, I love Roger. Roger's, Roger's just truly one of the uh, not only most talented, but uh, most uh, uh, likable, yeah, um, pleasant likeable. people to work with in, in, in the country. And, and uh, actually, him and Stephen and I had, had done a, we did a convention in London together. Mm. um during the continuum time and, and we went and um you know we had a had a week there i think and we went around and saw some theater productions and and met fans and uh and then of course you know had a, had a great time in london and and uh <laughs> but um yeah great uh great guys well that being a sci-fi show you must have been brought into that whole world of uh sort of comic-con kind of uh, fan base stuff right did you 
get a taste of that? I did. Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, uh, I really love the sci-fi world and, and I, I had been fortunate a few years before that I did a movie called Tron. Oh yeah. Um, and, um, that's the remake of the Disney original, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I played, uh, Jeff Bridges when he was younger and, and, wow. uh, we had a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, computer generated, um, effects and, and, and that was a really big, uh, Comic-Con year. And we went down and, and, and it was, we did like this fully immersive, uh, thing where they had a, uh, scavenger hunt and people had to discover different things within San Diego. And, and it all led them to, you know, this final destination where they had this whole Tron exhibit. And, uh, so it was, uh, seeing, you know, kind of just, uh, the, the amount of, um, thought and uh excitement that goes into these into the conventions and yeah and i would be the type of person myself who would actually like i'm really into that stuff as well i'm really into sci-fi wow uh so to to see it on um i mean i'd never i had never actually been to a convention before but there's a lot of things that when i was there that i was like this is you know this is really cool and yeah and so it, it was fun to you know to to be part of that firsthand. Did, did you meet uh, Jeff Bridges? Yeah, we, um, uh, we worked together, uh, for like six months, I guess, cause wow. he, um, he, what we would do is it was actually the, I think Benjamin button was around the same time. Uh, but I can't remember if it was Benjamin button or if we came out first, but basically, he would, whenever he was in a scene, we would have to motion capture his face. And then I would go in and act with all the actors and then they would sort of superimpose him on top of me. Um, so I would have to work with him every day. Wow. He would take yeah. me through all the scenes and then I would have to, you know, you know, learn his mannerisms and um, uh, his thought process uh, for what was going on through the scene and also try and, uh, y- you know, generate the same, uh, the same thought processes that, you know, in, when he was working with the actors to kind of get a similar, you know, also get, uh, the idea across of what he was trying to, um, create as the character. So, uh, what it was for me was really just a six month masterclass of where, I basically just got to talk to Jeff about how he acted and, and wow. Wow. Yeah. And like what he (laughs) went through in in preparing for his, his role in each scene, like what, you know, objectives he had and what he, and like sort of his, his thought process through it. So, and then, and then getting to work with all the other actors. Yeah. Um, So even though it's limited as to how much you see John on the show, I'm actually in it through the entire thing and and had the experience of, of being in the scenes with all the actors. And um, uh, so I I actually think it's one of the most incredible experiences that I've, I've had to date. Um, Must've been. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So the dude abides is what you're telling us. The, the dude abides, and I, I actually have a dude, dude abides shirt that my, <laughs> my brother had given to me because it's what my brother and I are both huge movie nerds. And, 
And years before uh, I ever worked on Tron, he, he gave me a Dudabides shirt. Wow. And wow. Uh, I wore it on the last day of filming. And, and Jeff, uh, Jeff saw it, and, and uh, he, I think he thought it was pretty, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I listened to a podcast recently. He was a guest on, I think it was Smartless. And uh, yeah. it was it was great to hear him so robust and in great health after that uh, cancer scare for sure. I know that's that's uh, I, I I'm really happy to hear that he's doing he's doing well. Yeah, for sure. Well, good for you. What a great experience. That's awesome. Um, that is very cool. Now, um, how did you come to Hudson and Rex? Well, yeah, it's actually really a sort of a, I feel like kind of. A, you know, sometimes a role is sort of meant for you to do because um, everything was kind of playing against me not doing it. Uh, oh. my, my family and I had, uh, my wife and I had just bought a house in LA. We'd been there for probably 15 years and we hadn't bought a house and, and we finally did. Um, and we, my son was uh, six months old at the time and his name was Hudson or his name is Hudson. Um, That's crazy. And so we were just starting to unpack. We had just we had just gotten into the house probably three days before, and my agent called and said uh, that there was this project. Um, he's like, "Would you like to take a look at it?" And at that point, it was only called Rex. Um, so I, I didn't even I didn't I didn't know much about it, it, it except for the name. And right. um, and uh, he's like, "It films in Newfoundland," and I was like, "Ooh, that sounds really cool." Uh, cause, um, I love, I, I love it here yeah. uh, and, and being from Nova Scotia and being so close, it's, you know, something I'm, you know, it'd be, it feels like coming home. Yeah. Um, but I, I said, I said, you know, I just don't think I can do it. You know, we're just getting settled here. I just think it'd be too much of a distraction to have, um, everybody go. But my wife, uh, said, well, why don't I just read the script? And so I went out and was running some errands for us. And then I came home and Megan said, who I think you're really going to like this story. Cause I had just finished doing uh, a, um, a web series called bloodhounds, which was two brother detectives. And I was talking about how much I loved playing a detective. And, and then I also love animals and have always been involved in, you know, animal advocacy and um you know my long before i had even become an actor so um i uh so i read the script and i was like wow this is kind of cool and my character and my character's name is hudson so um <laughs> wow yeah so then i um i they they wanted they were hoping that i could fly out and maybe uh meet diesel and, and meet Sherry cause we'd be working together. And it was obviously a very, the chemistry there needed to be, uh, yeah. uh, needed to be good. And I said, well, would it be okay if I just went into an animal shelter and just showed my comfortability with animals? So I, I just went in and, um, you know, uh, uh, met with, a, like it just was, it played with a lot of different animals, took them for walks and, and sort of, we shot these little videos together. And, and so I think that, uh, that ended up sort of being, being my audition tape. <laughs> and we, and we thought we were going to be here for two months and we've been here for, uh, for four and a half years now. So it's, uh, doesn't it always work out that way, John, you buy a house in LA and that's when a Canadian actor gets a gig in Canada, right? 
it's it, I, I, you hear that story over and over Every, again. everybody has a story on some level like that yeah but you know how fabulous has that been i mean imagine getting to work in the province uh you know in saint john's for uh five years on a show in canada uh wow wow you know i mean that's amazing what you know you you anybody you ask about the people there the life of that city uh it's just the envy of the rest of the country isn't it it's yeah it's really it's it's um a place um it's just like there's just a quality to here that is so unique um so lovable. I, I just love it here. I mean, for me, for me, it very much feels like home being from Halifax. I feel there's, there's similarities. Um, yeah. Went to theater school in Dublin. I also feel like there's a lot of similarities yeah, wow. between, between here and Dublin. And, and um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I really love it. My daughter was born here. So I feel like that gives us some street, street uh, cred is uh, you know i'll never be i'll never be a newfoundlander i, I i've been told I'm, i'll forever be considered a mainlander right but um i do get some kind of extra points having had offspring here apparently. so your daughter's a townie is that what you're telling me she's townie ah there you go that's all you, you're in you're in yeah man. um how long were you in dublin uh, i was in dublin for Two years and wow. uh, uh, Dublin for two years and Galway for uh, about a year, a little wow. under a year. Yeah. Pretty good life, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty exciting. That's good for you. That's, those are, you're naming some awesome places. Um, yeah. So it's, it's wonderful. Uh, let me talk about a, a, a sad part of this story here. Uh, we lost one of the great producers, of course, in Paul Pope. He was the uh, uh, producer of Hudson and Rex and uh, kind of the, the guy in that province for a generation or two uh, gave a lot of people their start. Um, obviously, a sad time for you last season. Talk a bit about uh, his passing and what he meant to you in the show. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we we were all obviously very heartbroken. Um, I mean, so much of I think what the show is uh, really, really came from him. I, I think that like our there's an aspect of the show that sort of um, exists within the crew and with the community. Uh, that I think is an intangible quality that sort of comes onto the screen that sometimes happens when you're making a show. Um, you know, I think people often talk about like how people in the crew get along and how like it's embraced by the community. Sometimes that's just a talking point, but in our case, I feel like that is a, is a very uh, tangible, um, you know, part of our production. Uh, and I think so much of that came from Paul. Um, uh, he just, it, it's amazing how many people on the show, uh, got their start from Paul. Uh, and I think like you always hear people, you, people have stories of, you know, Paul gave me my first job. Um, and, uh, he, he worked really hard to sort of build the community and, and, make it uh, accessible for people here to get the um, the jobs that you need training for 
that would often go to people coming from elsewhere. And we really wanted to build up the industry here and build up the community. And, um, and, uh, he was just such a great guy. And he, he always, um, he always had, had such a great way of kind of, you know, you get busy in, in, in the world and, you know, start taking ourselves a little too seriously. And he always had a good way of, you know, kind of bringing us back to reality and stuff. He'd always give us yeah. these pep talks. Huh. Um, you know, like, uh, I think on the first day of season two, um, we, uh, we had all the executives from Rogers come in and everybody was there and, you know, the show had had some success in season one and, he was, you know, going to give a speech at the beginning of the season. He's like, you know, we're doing really well. Uh, you know, just want to let you know that uh, the show is doing pretty good. So don't F this up. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he didn't, he, did, he didn't do it in the censored way. Right. But I think just the entire room just went silent for a second. You know, because we had all these executives there, and then everybody just, of course, uh, Listen, you know, found it hilarious. And um, it's, it's always good advice. Uh, you know, I think uh, that was that was well placed. Uh, you know, we all got to hear that now and then. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I remember talking to Jason Priestley once uh, years ago. He got a chance to direct on um, Nine o- Beverly Hills Nine O Two One O. You know, yeah. he was just a kid, and uh, Aaron. Spelling, who was this mega producer who was Charlie's Angels, and you know, he did all these love boat, and he, he lets this 24 year old or whatever Jason was at the time direct the show. And that was his advice that just before Jason got to go behind the camera and start the first day, he said, Listen, kid, don't F this up. And he didn't say F either, you know, so that, that, yeah. that was that's always good advice. And we'll be right back after this message. September has traditionally marked the beginning of a new fall TV season. On CTV, you can get into it starting September 19th as a mix of new and returning shows join their lineup. Among the new dramas is The Rookie Feds, which begins September 27th. You know The Rookie starring Nathan Fillion? Well, this is a new extension of that franchise with one of my favorites, Nisi Nash, starring as a late-in-life FBI recruit. East New York, which begins October 2nd, stars Amanda Warren as a new police squad boss with the great Jimmy Smiths in support. And Alaska Daily stars Hilary Swank as a reporter looking to make a fresh start at a northern newspaper. It begins October 6th. Returning favorites include last season's hottest rookie, The Cleaning Lady, who begins mopping up on September 19th. The Rookie and La Brea both return at the end of September, with The Good Doctor scrubbing up October 3rd. And good old Grey's Anatomy is also back for a 97th season, October 6th. Don't miss the return of Canadian originals Children Ruin Everything, September 19th, plus award-winning hospital drama Transplant, September 23rd. See them all on CTV or stream them on demand at ctv.ca and the CTV app.
we're back with John Reardon. We're talking about season five of Hudson and Rex coming up on City TV. Look for it. It's uh, 20 new episodes. Pretty exciting stuff. Can you tell us anything about what uh, viewers will see in season five, John? Um, well, you, uh, as, as sort of always at the beginning of our seasons, we do a lot of really uh, beautiful location uh, uh, shoots. So there, there's a, a lot of the uh, places that um, we shoot, especially for our first five or six episodes, are usually out in some of the most amazing locations in Newfoundland. And this year is the same. I think we, we shot for the first time, which is, amazes me in five seasons, the first time we shot at Cape Spear, huh? which is for people who, who aren't familiar, it's the furthest east location in North America. But it's also just this exceptional, um, uh, you know, these these sweeping vast cliffs along the ocean side, and um, so um, we shoot there, and I think in episode one, and it's just it absolutely looks spectacular as, as everything here in Newfoundland does. But um, so there'll be a lot of a lot of action out in the world. Um, and as always, we'll have a lot of, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the dog action and, and, and Rex, um, uh, you know, stunts with, uh, with Rex. And I think what might be a little bit more different this year is we go a little bit deeper into the individual characters in the show. So, um, for instance, um, uh, as Charlie, I have some family members come in. Um, uh, we learn a little bit more about, about Charlie and his past. Um, the same with, uh, with Sarah's character, uh, the same, um, with, uh, with, uh, superintendent Donovan, Kevin Hanchard, uh, and- Kevin Hanchard and, and Mako Wen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, I think uh, Kevin has um, is a really great episode where Kevin's uh, old partner uh, is in its kind of um, a really fun episode out in the world, like a midnight run type episode. And mm-hmm. um, so there's, yeah, lots of action, lots of action this year, cool. um, which is, uh, which has been, has been really fun to do. And I think it, it, uh, um, I think it comes across on the screen. Like I think that the episodes are really, uh, really engaging this year. Mm. It was it was fun to see Kevin in the Porter last season. Uh, with yeah. a, 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 a nice. He was playing an impresario, right? Like he got to really uh, show another color, and it was fun to see him. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's Kevin's just uh, incredibly talented. He's. Um, um, I saw him. He did a. He also did a play during COVID, a one man show that he had been planning to do, but then COVID happened. And then, so he did it, he actually did it on zoom ah. and uh, it was, um, you know, it was amazing. And, you know, we were just watching on our, our iPad screen and, and uh, you know, people all over, all over the country were watching it, but it was, it was really spectacular. Wow. And uh, you know, it, it pretty inventive for the times too. I think everybody was pretty, pretty happy to, to, to be able to, to watch something that was like right. I feel it was right at the beginning of COVID too. And everything was still, was still fairly new. How did that go? Like I, I saw uh, Ron James doing a couple of these, uh, with Ron, the comedian, the stand-up comedian. And 
you know, uh, he did it from his home in uh, Toronto. Um, and the stuff is very funny, all his dialogue and everything. But, you know, uh, for a performer like that, not to have the feedback from a, an audience uh, it must be hard, right? What, what was it like when Kevin did his play? I think I think he actually mentioned something like that is is that it was a challenge because you know he didn't that's right you don't have to, I mean you you always when when you're in uh you know in a space and people are watching you live they're sort of within that you know your within your bubble of external stimulus and and right. you know uh their their energy is is part of it as well and and so i'm not sure what that would have been like you know just doing it in front of a screen but not only that but he was doing it in his basement and his kids were producing it so <laughs> you know it's great his great. kids have really you know they have the camera set up and they're doing light effects and they're doing all this wow. i mean it was really it, it was really just like um incredibly enjoyable uh so i think there was there was an aspect to it for him that was more more fun and then there was an aspect that was probably more challenging as well yeah. interesting but uh yeah cool. but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's That's really fun um now you're at the point we've talked about this before where uh you've worked with uh diesel uh, who plays rex uh for a number of years now you guys are veterans together have a good relationship and you're actually able to uh hand signal and and uh take part in the coaching of the procedure that sherry usually does on the show right yeah there's certain there's certain elements that depending on where we are uh location wise uh how the cameras are set up and and everything because diesel does need a certain a certain level of um uh of uh direction Right. Uh, during the scene because we really infuse him fully into the scene as if you know he's almost as if we're you know we're we're, we're doing a play um uh, you know he he goes through the full sequence with us in each scene so he needs uh occasionally he needs sort of these uh directives and um if sherry isn't able to be in an area because of how the cameras are set up to have him do something um then that's usually when she'll ask me and, and you know, she will, when, when we're setting the scene up uh, at the beginning, um, we'll work on that. That'll be part of the process is to figure out, okay, so here, you know, you'll get, um, uh, this is where you'll give diesel a command or, or, or whatever. And so um, uh, we've been doing that from the beginning, but, but definitely we're getting like uh, we diesel and I have like an intuitive thing and he, he really like uh, it really is interesting how much he retains and sort of intuitively understands what we're doing. And kind of, uh, um, I, I feel like he's, he's smarter than me half the time, but <laughs> um, it's fun. It's one of the best aspects of the show is like that. Not only, uh, you know, do we get to be around the dogs, but we get to work with them and like he legit and, and like him and I have legitimately bonded become yeah. wow. like we're, we're partners at, at work. Like, I mean, so it really is legitimately uh, uh, like, I love how that, re that relationship yeah. has, has grown and, and we're good buddies. And it's amazing. Cool. I, I I remember watching when you guys were in, again in, at uh, in the islands there off the coast. 
um, there was a scene that called for um, the other dog to do a stunt to jump over a table. And, you know, there was there was some action involved. And um, Diesel was in a car parked not far away and the window was open. He was barking. He was going crazy. It was like, where's my agent? Why aren't I in that scene? Basically, like you know, he, he was he yeah. was really upset that somebody else had sort of stuck in and uh, no. ate his dog food. You know, it's legit. He, I mean, he's the king. He, uh, you know, the and and the other dogs know it. Like he, um, he's uh, yeah. He he doesn't he doesn't like he doesn't like being left out. He wants to do it all. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's pretty it's pretty funny when the other dogs come on set. He 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 doesn't he doesn't enjoy it too much. Yeah, it's funny. Um yeah. and it seems each season that the challenges for that character Rex get harder and harder like he's jumping into rivers and things. Is it true in season 5 do you is there new tricks that they've been that Diesel's been taught to uh to do this season? Absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, some some of the most impressive uh, um, some of the most impressive stunts are coming this year. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's um, you know Sherry's always thinking uh, thinking of new um, avenues and working with our writers and and uh, figuring new skills that um, that she can teach the dogs. It's it's just amazing, and not only it's another great thing about this year too is not only is does Sherry. Um, work with the dogs, but we have other animals. We're going to have some other animals this season too. We wow. have, uh, we did, we just finished filming an episode episode with, a, um, with a lot, a bunch of snakes. Oh no. Um, jeez. Oh, which I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where all these talents come from, from Sherry, yeah. but yeah. Uh, she works with the snakes. Um, she, last year she trained sheep. We had a, a herd of sheep that she had to train, <laughs> Uh, and, um, and I, I, there's rumor there's going to be a bear at some point oh, no. in the season as well, which could be, um, which is, uh, I, I'm at this point, I'm, I'm not sure if that is, uh, if that's, if that's, uh, truth or not, but that's hilarious. Um, I hear, I heard pretty, the, uh, I heard the sheep were pretty bad. <laughs> Sorry. Should have shouldn't have made that joke while you should have made it anyway, but not while you were drinking. You uh, know, I, I respect that as as a dad um, <laughs> because that is dad joke. Yeah. That's that's my humor right now, there and my kids go. love it. I'm hilarious to them <laughs> now. Yeah, five I, years. I'm not sure. Enjoy it while you can. My kids are, yeah. uh, you know, my daughter's getting married next week, so they're at a whole other level. Um, Congratulations! That's amazing. Yeah, it is very cool. She's uh, yeah. married a fine guy, and it's uh, it's going to be exciting. Um, so looking right forward to that. Yeah, going to have to get my hair cut, John. Hey, you know, sometimes you got to make yourself presentable. You know, I know. I got. I had to yeah. buy. A, had to buy a suit. Um, <laughs> You'll still me. be the same bill underneath, though. I, I I hope it. It'll be like you and Tron. Uh, you know. There you go. Um, Tell me a bit about Peter Mitchell. I know he came in and uh, was show running there. I've known Peter a while. He's uh, been the guy behind uh, Murdoch Mysteries for a decade at least and uh, done an amazing job there. What was it like working with Peter? I love Pete. He's great. Um, he he came in last season and um, uh, he's uh, – I, I, I feel like um, – 
for one, you just have like sort of a, a, I feel like the scripts are quite, quite dynamic. Um, and there's been a lot of sort of character development, uh, over the past two seasons and sort of seeing, I mean, there's obvious aspects to the show. People just want to be there. The relationship with Charlie and Rex, um, being a big part of that. And, and then they want to see, you know, the dogs, uh, you know, doing kind of spectacular things. And, but then there's also like sort of a depth to the show that we can, we can, we can bring in, in more character interaction and stuff on top of the the crime that we do every week. And, and I feel like Pete and the writing team has done such a great job of that. Pete directed our first two episodes this year. These were the oh, first, nice. um, uh, two that he's directed and uh, it's just great working with him. He just really, he's got a great sense of, um, you know, sh- sh- showing what's going on uh, underneath the dialogue and, and, you know, showing that with like the camera movement and the, she's, he's always, ch- you know, challenging us to keep, uh, you know, all the action moving and keep it, you know, to, to show sort of like the, intention of moving the case forward and all and all that great stuff that sort of just engages the audience and, yeah. and so it was, it was really it was really enjoyable um uh just uh, thought he was thought he was great to work with as a director and, and obviously just loving this loving the stories he's um, he, he's not he's afraid playing. not afraid to push a story into a real surprising corner or two is he like he really has a great imagination he's done a thousand hours of television right he's he's a smart man and, uh, it's unbelievable. And, and he's doing 24 of Murdoch this year, too. Oh, my God. I better yeah. get. Oh, my goodness. Good for Peter. Well, I hope yeah. he's, he's got an assistant, I hope, by now. Uh, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He's got he's got some really great people. Uh, good to hear it. Uh, supporting uh, as well. But he's, he's definitely doing a lot of heavy lifting. Wow. OK. Yeah. All right. Well, good for Peter. And we'll be right back after this message. Time once again for a Hollywood Sweet Minute with Emily Gagne. Emily, what do you have streaming for us this month? Oh, well, in September, it's all about movie soundtracks. So we're doing music and movies, you know, premieres of movies like The Harder They Come, Fun in Acapulco for the fans of Elvis that just <laughs> can't get enough. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Baz Luhrmann, also the film uh, Strictly Ballroom. I don't know if you've seen that one. I have. I love that film. Yeah, it's great. But there's a Mamma Mia for fans of that, Nashville, Guys and Dolls, any like music-centric movies you can think of, we've got them in September. Perfect. What else you got? Uh, and then we're really excited to uh, be sort of part of National Day for Truth and Reconciliation on September 30th. And we're hosting the Canadian broadcast premiere of The Long Ride Home, which is a documentary about a group of Indigenous people that took a horseback ride across the prairies to raise awareness for Indigenous issues. Uh, it's a really compelling and really inspiring film, and we really hope you'll join us on September 30th for it. All right. That's The Long Ride Home, part of the September headlines at Hollywood Suite. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Bill. Here he is again, John Reardon. 
Listen, John, uh, this has been fun. I really appreciate it. I got. I have three standard questions now I want to ask was to wrap okay. things up. These aren't related to Hudson and Rex, but uh, we'll ask them anyway. The first is uh, basically just what are you watching right now? What are you binging? Uh, I imagine with youngsters at home, you're probably looking at uh, shows for them a lot. But uh, yeah. what, what, what's your current uh, fascination on television? Well, I mean, up until uh, up until um, probably just recently, I, I think the only thing that had been on the TV at our house was probably Gabby's Playhouse and uh, All Engines Go, which is a Thomas uh, Tom, Thomas the Train cartoon. Nice. Uh, so we had a lot of kid stuff going on, um, but uh, my wife and I finally have have had a chance to sit down and watch some series. And we're caught up in Westworld right now. Do you watch Westworld at all? I, I haven't watched it since the first season, but the the, yeah. the third or fourth season just started, right? Yeah, I think four, and uh, I think it's maybe maybe six episodes in at this point. But wow. yeah, it's just absolutely uh, a mind bend, and, yeah. and I love it because it really is sort of. There's a lot of commentary on. Um, I'm a big science nerd and a big you know I love like. Uh, uh, science documentaries and, and interested in sort of the, you know, what creates consciousness and, and that mm-hmm. kind of, uh, and, and it's, it's a commentary on that and a, a little bit, and, uh, you know, some, some themes dealing with like free will and, and it's, it's just a really, really, really um, uh, well done, well-written uh, show. And you never fully, like you're always, it's one of those ones you watch an episode and then, and then you think about it for a full day trying to like dissect it. And then the next episode comes and it, you know, turns you, uh, um, turns you around again. And, and, uh, I don't know. I just, I find I sit with it a lot. It's re- is a very cool show. I got to get back into it. It sounds pretty yeah. good. Uh, yeah, it's dense and that's the way HBO releases shows one week at a time. It gives you that opportunity to digest and think, right? So it's good. Yeah. And another great show, actually, we just finished too, was the the third season of Barry. I don't know. Oh if you've my seen God! Barry. Wow, what yeah. a season that was! Holy oh, smokes, man. that was amazing. Yeah, it's so good. And I know Ho Hank is just one of my favorite characters. I think uh, <laughs> he's he is, just uh, he is fantastic. He's amazing, amazing. Um, and there's a guy, uh, Bill Hader, who uh, directs almost the entire season. He could have just directed and been astounding. Uh, you know, uh, hats off to him. But is that something you've uh, thought to do with Hudson and Rex or, or uh, to direct an episode or two? Um, directing is definitely something I am interested in and, and, uh, directing and writing are both things that I'm, uh, but I, but I think I would, I, I probably gravitate more to, uh, a, a different project just cause I feel that my responsibilities on the show are, are so much, um, right. with what I'm doing that if I were to extend, I would just be worried that, that maybe, um, uh, you know, I'd be overextended and I, I wouldn't want like the, you know, the product to suffer or whatever. I, I, it, there's a lot of, uh, yeah. basically I, I, I think I, I, I don't know if I could handle how busy I would be if I was directing. Sure. Usually they get actors to do the first yeah. episode of the season. So they would have the prep time because during the season you can't, you're too busy concentrating on your performance. Right. 
Totally, totally. Well, maybe but, they'll get uh, yeah. maybe get maybe get Diesel to direct an episode or two. That would be interesting. I mean, you know, hey, I mean, Scooby Doo's out there solving crimes. I mean, maybe <laughs> you right. know, maybe Rex can direct. Yeah. How would he? How would the dog say? Cut it in half. That's what I'm wondering. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other question. So uh, we've asked about what you're watching and. Um, the uh when you were a youngster growing up um and you grew up in halifax did you john where did you grow up i did halifax yeah yeah, yeah. what was on tv when you were a kid what was fascinating to you when you were a youngster well when i was young i'd say good question by the way um it, it was really big in the detective like we was really big in the in the pi uh sort of late 80s early 90s PI TV shows. So I think, honestly, Magnum PI is probably the most influential TV show that I've, in my life, not in that, like, uh, nothing more than I think it just interested me in the industry more than anything. For one, it took place in Hawaii, which whatever, for whatever reason, just felt so exotic to me living in Halifax. Yeah. And uh, I just always that that world just sat, seemed really uh, interesting to me. And then um, I, I just there was just kind of like this sort of romantic notion of it. Like, you, just, you know, this guy, he's got a cool car. Uh, he's solving crimes in this cool location. And, uh, you know, he's a private investigator and, and he's got an amazing mustache. Um, <laughs> That's right. And uh, but there was also kind of and, and uh, you know Tom Selleck I think is he's he's just a really I don't know I just I, he was a really engaging actor and I just uh, um, I there he I think he had a level of kind of um, likability and vulnerability that there wasn't in a lot of characters and so there was there was kind of a thoughtful aspect to the show too and yeah. especially in, in the later years they kind of got into some of his family stuff and it was also he was a um, he was a uh, a vet in the Vietnam War, so they would right. they would flash back to that, and, and I just feel that was a that was really uh, you know a big issue in, in the time in the eighties, like you know uh, having the war having not been over that long, really. Um, For sure. And yeah. uh, so all that aspect, I just kind of it really stuck with me. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to sneak downstairs because it would be on every night between twelve and one in the morning and I would turn it on and I would watch it and then I would fall asleep and my parents would wake me up on the sofa the next day and they'd be kind of like, you know, fake mad at me. (laughs) You're supposed to be at school. You shouldn't be staying up and and all this stuff. But I don't know. There was just something that kind of really stuck with me uh, about that show. And and, uh, I think it's actually even has a lot to do with part of the reason why I love working on this show and, and, and playing a detective. You were doing research when you were a kid. It sounds like uh, basically, you know, that that's pretty. Cool. I guess so. I, I, I I've, yeah. I've had the chance to talk to Tom Selleck a few times over the years, going way back when I I started out at TV Guide. If you remember the little magazine that had the listings and stuff, and he, oh yeah, of course, yeah. He uh, we he would win our reader poll, uh, uh, best uh, dramatic actor, or whatever. I remember calling and he called right back. He was so uh, polite and. Um, you know, just such a big star to take the time to call somebody in Canada. But he, um, 
very, very gracious guy. And he used to shoot a series of detective movies, I think, in Halifax or somewhere on the East Coast. And I talked to him about that. He loved doing that. He loved he would rent a house, stay at a house there. He always looked forward to it. He had nothing but great things to say about doing those films in Nova Scotia. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the um, the Stone. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the series. Yeah. He actually, uh, one of the houses he rented was my sister's. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He, That's amazing. Yeah, he used to, uh, I think he, maybe for one one of the uh, movies or a couple of the movies, he stayed at uh, my sister's uh, house when they were, when I think they were out of town. And and so, um, yeah, no, he's, he's very, he's very loved in Nova Scotia because he, uh, you know, I think, um, he just uh he was just a gracious guy and 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 he he loved it there i, I can't remember if he i think he had bought had owned a property that maybe there for a while as well but i'm not sure if he still does but i think he definitely had a lot of uh, uh a lot of fans there yeah for sure well that's that's such a coincidence it's fantastic all right yeah. final, the final question john here it is um your all-time favorite tv theme song if there's one that comes to mind you know, it could be when you were a youngster, could be now, whatever. But what's your all-time favorite? You know, I think it's so funny that uh, this is a great question because I just mentioned Scooby Doo, and when you said and when you mentioned that right now, I th- I think of the Scooby Doo theme song. I played it for my kids the other day because I I got my daughter a mystery machine. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> that's the van that uh, they used to drive around in uh, Shaggy and Scooby and, and, uh, and all that. That's good. Like, so a lot like a model yeah. of, the, of the van. Is that what you got her? I got her like, yeah, it was a little, like a little, uh, she loves cars. And so I got her a little, um, uh, little model van and it cool. actually comes with each, each of the, uh, each of the members, like Fred and, and Daphne and Velma <laughs> and Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> So she's been playing with that. And so I played her the theme song the other day. And uh, then, of course, it was on repeat for, you know, several hours. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I remember thinking, this is really good. Like, it, it kind of has like that uh, you know, real 70s kind of throwback vibe to it. And uh, yeah, so, I mean... I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely it's it's in my it's in my mind right now. So it's it's, it's a great theme song. In fact, a couple of stories. One, uh, Joe Barbera from Hanna Barbera, who made the series, he wrote a book, um, My Life in Tunes, I think, and and yeah. he mentioned how that came about. They were trying to develop the show and they couldn't think of a title. And Barbera was listening to Sinatra on the you know on an airplane. You can listen to music back in the old days before everything was digital in front of you. And he right. was listening to Frank Sinatra singing Scooby Dooby Doo, and that kind of led to the name of the show. Uh, so they really, yeah, Frank Sinatra doing all that. Uh, the other thing is, years ago again, I um, Warner Brothers called or somebody, basically saying, "Hey, we've got the Scooby Van up in Toronto. Do you want to do you want to drive around in it?" I said, "Well, yeah." So they brought this crazy old GM van with shag carpet, and I, my kids were like, you know, five, whatever they were, eight and ten or whatever, and I got to drop them off at their school in the mystery machine. So that is amazing. I, I was a hero for a day, but um, but uh, anyway, great selection. We'll play the Scooby. <laughs> 
and uh, I'm, I'm glad your kids are onto the classics. So that's uh, well, well done, John. You're doing your, your job as a parent. Well, I'm, I, I'm hopefully not projecting because uh, apparently last night uh, we were. Well, I took my daughter grocery shopping, and um, she wanted to get some the Hello Kitty band aids. Oh yeah. And right next to them in the shop were, were Star Wars Band-Aids. And I was like, do you want to get the Star Wars Band-Aids too? And she looked at it and there was like Chewbacca on the front and Darth Vader on the back. And she kind of was quiet for a minute. And then she said, yeah. But then apparently last night, she, uh, my, my wife went in when our daughter woke up and she was talking in her sleep. And she said, what did she say? She said something like, the farm is safe but Star Wars is a little scary. <laughs> wow. I don't know what that all means, but I do think I may have, you, you, I may have, I may have forced the Star Wars band-aids on her when she wasn't quite ready for them. You, you need to put that on a t-shirt and, and get it, uh, get it to her. I think, you know, you'll want to, <laughs> that's something to remember. The farm is safe, but Star Wars is scary. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. To Hilarious. Think. That's funny. Yeah. Well, kids are, these are hilarious. They are. Well, listen, congrats and uh, new one on the way. You got three children soon, so all best there. I'm glad you've all bounced back from COVID and um, everything's good there. And congratulations on back to work on season five, Hudson and Rex. It's uh, the the most watched. I think that and Murdoch Mysteries are one too in terms of Canadian scripted originals across Canada. So. All good, John, and uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you today. Thank you very much for your time. You too, Bill. Thanks very much. Yeah, good to uh, good to catch up again. And please say hi to Sherry Davis when you see her next. The uh, she's she's remarkable. Absolutely, I will. She's. Uh, I think she um, she she uh, has a few new dogs um, this year. A few few puppies that she's training that that might be um, doing some stuff on the show in the next couple. Uh, we're probably later on in the season, so she's she's been she's been pretty busy. Oh, good uh, for her. But uh, you know the 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 pack is growing. <laughs> well, and she's busy with podcasts too. I think right too. So oh, she's just she's got her her hands and everything. She she's an ex uh, amateur Canadian boxing champ. She's uh, ex stunt performer. Didn't know that. Wow, really? She's, she's a veteran. She's a she's a veterinarian. She's yeah. I mean. She's just one of the most fast. They should do a reality show. She should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd watch that for sure. All right, John. Thank you so much for your time and continued success uh, with Hudson and Rex. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Phil. Take care. You too. Cheers. Come on to me, do. I see you. Everything you got a sliver. You're not fooling me. John Reardon's pick for best all-time TV theme song was Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The theme to the original CBS Saturday morning series, which premiered way back in 1969. Ben Raleigh wrote the music and David Mook wrote the words to the theme. It was sung by Larry Marks in season one and George A. Robertson Jr. in season two. The title of the series came from then-CBS head of children's programming, Fred Silverman. He had been pitched a series about four teenage detectives and a Great Dane by producers at Hanna-Barbera. Joe Barbera, in his 1994 autobiography, My Life in Tunes, recalled that Silverman was drifting to sleep on a plane 
from New York to L.A., and he was listening to Frank Sinatra sing Strangers in the Night on his earphones connected to the airline's music channel. When old Blue Eyes started improvising Scooby-Dooby-Doo, Silverman had his title. It was catchy enough to run for seven seasons. Thanks, as always, to Phil Hahn for producing this podcast. I'd also like to single out Katie Brio for designing the main Brio TV site. I'm grateful as well to all the amazing publicists for arranging these interviews. Thanks to our sponsors, and yes, thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please spread the word with a like or a review. And remember, you can always catch up on TV news and reviews daily at Brio.tv. I'm Bill Brio. Thanks for listening. You're not fooling me, cause I can see The way you shake and shiver You know we got a mystery to solve Scooby-Doo, be ready for your act Don't hold back